0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of my podcast. Sorry, I was just like chewing and you now I feel gross or rude. Because I'm like, can you hear me chewing? Anyways, there's just a Rice Krispie treat. I've realized that's one of the few things I can still, I mean, there's plenty of things, but I'm just being dramatic. But it's one of the things I, that's t- technically, like, gluten-free. I mean, it is gluten-free. So I can still enjoy it without it triggering my celiacs or whatever. Um, but I don't know. It's just... I was never that into, like, Rice Krispie Treats because I think, like, the main brand, you know, Kellogg's, they're just too sweet. Like, yeah, I did like them for a while, but they get tired. I get tired of them fast because they're just so sweet. And I've always preferred, like, homemade Rice Krispie Treats because they're, like, less sweet, but you want them, you wish they could have been a little more sweeter, but you still enjoy it because usually they are, like, oddly shaped and... They might have you know like unmelted marshmallow bits here and there, and that's what makes them even more better and then some people add sprinkles and yeah, they're just like way better as opposed to like largely manufactured rice yeah like uh what's that word um factory manufactured or produced. Rice crispy Treats that are made by, like, you know, how many at a time, whatever. Anyways, that's not the point. I was just going off of whatever. I d- haven't had dinner, so I'm still, like, I don't... Not eating always, like, throws me into a loop of this, like, can't can't ish mood. <laughs> like, I'm a total bitch. Like, I just... I'm not... Yeah, like, I feel like I'm an infant throwing a fit, you know? Like, I'm grumpy. I just don't like anything or anyone or myself. And I really just need to eat something. And instead of eating something, I went to 7-Eleven and I just bought a bunch of junk. Which I plan to have after dinner, but I'm tempted to already start eating, you know? But anyways... um. Yeah, it's been a while and I did say I was going to talk about sex work in this episode and I'm going to stick with it because it's definitely been on my mind and usually when I want to get around to it, like I tell myself, you know, just like write down notes and just have kind of like a guide of what you want to get through, cover the topics you want to get done with, you know, and... You know, it'll it'll be a breeze as opposed to, like, being all over the place, jumping from this to that, and not being totally cohesive, and then regretting recording that whole episode. Because I've recorded, like, a few episodes here and there, and then totally deleted them, because I was just, like, going on these weird tangents that just all, like, sounded like a pile of randomness, you know? But. I don't know, I'm probably going to sound like that tonight, because, yeah, it's, like, past my bedtime, too. I'm just not in the best spirits, but this is part of me. This is who I am. I'm always not—I'm not always in a good mood. I'm not always mellow. I'm not always boring. I'm not always, like, daydreaming off into whatever. Like, a lot of times I'm pretty moody, and that's the reality of having to interact with me, you know? But yeah, like, uh, so tonight, some guy did proposition me and offer me, you know, a decent amount of money to spend an hour with him, which I feel like the money, amount of money he was offering me was fair for an hour, you know? Especially for this ring, I mean, this area, like, let me just say when it comes to sex work. Guys in this area are incredibly cheap. Like, they're... I felt that, like, people were poor in this area or just had, you know, like, the medium for the... And, you know, like, the income medium is just a lot lower. And, I mean, technically it is compared to the rest of California. But there are people here who are, like upper middle class, and well-off, and people who live in McMansions, and I live in a ritzier neighborhood, like, I live in a gated apartment complex, which isn't, I mean, there's technically luxury apartments, but I don't consider them luxury at all, because, like, all the walls are way too thin, and I can hear everyone, from my roommate having an orgasm in the next room over, to Downstairs neighbors trying to quietly have sex to the people living aside to the right of us having sex when I'm walking down the stairs and then, yeah, like, and then people will stand out in their patios or balconies and have conversations and I can perfectly hear them you know or like they they're muffled but I can definitely hear them especially if I have my bedroom door my bedroom window open all the noise like just spills like it echoes even because they're like it's kind of like how the apartments will face each other we all like make little squares and there's like little clusters of squares everywhere and it's each square is about is eight apartment buildings you know because like and they're two stories so like there's downstairs people upstairs people in each corner and i'm an upstairs person and i always feel bad too because i know our downstairs neighbors can hear us like walking around because our floors are very creaky especially in certain parts In our hallway. So it's like unavoidable because we have to use that hallway to get around, you know. And right now, like, I can't even record in my room. Not that I even really do that, anyways. But my roommate has decided that he needs to sleep with the door wide open, which opens up, which basically everything's visible to him from where his bed is. Because he's in the master bedroom and everything's completely open and I just feel like he's being paranoid and that's how he keeps an eye on everything or like reassures himself or you know, like he's like told me sometimes I guess like his PTSD will have him like paranoid and have him thinking that someone's gonna be out to get him at night. And he's even thought that of me that like I'm sneaking around and I'm like gonna get him, or, like, I'm up to something, when really, I'm just, like, getting up to pee, or, like, sneaking around, smoking, taking hits of his weed, you know, which he knows I'm doing, but I always feel awkward about, you know, like, I feel like I have to be sneaky about, but I don't know, whatever, and sometimes he is, like, kind of stingy with his weed, and he won't want to share it, which is fine, because... I usually have my own anyways, and I can easily get my own too. Like, I prefer to get my own stuff. I feel like the weed he buys is kind of shitty for California weed anyways. Like, I really don't know where he's getting his weed. Because, like, in this county, unfortunately, weed is illegal, even though it's legal in the state of California. Like, it's not legal here. So, like, all the dispensaries and all the weed shops, whatever you want to call them, they're not legally allowed to sell weed. So they're like selling these off-brand stuff or just like stuff that you shouldn't trust because it's not like regulated, you know? And it's like, there's a chance of this and that. And I just think it's a lot of lower quality stuff. Like I've had some of the edibles, I've had joints, I've had like just the weed itself and it's never made me feel as good as like other stuff that like people are actually growing themselves or I've gotten from like regulated dispensaries like I don't know there's just something funky about the dispensaries here because they're not legal and I don't know where these people are getting their stuff you know I wish it was coming from a decent place and you think it would be from coming from like respectable, like, growers and sellers and stuff. But, like, I don't know what we're getting, but we're getting shit stuff here. And, yeah, whatever. I'm just going off. Anyways, the point is, yeah, this guy offered me money, and I was like, yeah, like, I'll totally do it, you know? And it's just an hour. Like, if, and if anything, like, it'll go by, and I can even maybe get out after 40 minutes, you know, if I do a good job. But the truth is, I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Like, I'm not attracted to him. And usually, anytime I have been, like, propositioned and paid for services, there has been some attraction. You know, it's not guys who I just couldn't stand, you know. I mean, there was one, like, maybe my first official sugar daddy. I was repulsed by him. Not that he was, like, an unattractive guy, because he was, like, okay, but the way he would talk to me, the way he smelled, it's not that he was unhygienic. It's just, like, he was in his 50s, and I was 19 years old, you know, and it was just grossly inappropriate. People would give us shocked faces anytime he would take me out at lunch or dinner. He would talk down to me all the time. And I was pretty much drunk anytime I had to be there with him. And he would still, like, throw me in these traumatic things. And I would get myself even more drunk. And then towards the last couple times I saw him, I literally was just imagining, like, wow, he was, like, penetrating me or we were having sex and and all these awful, god-awful things. Like, all I could, all I could ever envision myself doing was Whacking him in the head over with the lamp, the nearest lamp near me, I just wanted to grab it and whack him straight across the head and have him and knock him out, you know, or sometimes like when he is about to orgasm, like I always hoped he would have an or and heart attack, like I literally always i was praying for it at each time like and then I just thought like if that happened, I could easily. Run away. I mean, like, yeah, take anything I wanted and just run out. But, like, my DNA would be on him, right? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, like, I definitely thought about that, which is probably criminal to admit, but I'm not trying to. Criminal. What's the word? Whatever. Yeah, I'm not trying to do that. So, allegedly, that's what was going on, you know? Allegedly, incriminate that sort. Anyways, uh, yeah, like back to this John offering me money. Um, yeah, and like he's not the worst looking guy either, but I just know I'm not gonna be into it. But then I just thought about like, what are the all these other girls you know doing? Especially if they're depending on the survival, they have to. Put up with it, you know, like they, these are like potential, like this is a potential client, and you just have to do it, you know, you have to like suck it up because it's not, it's about performing a service, you know, and doing it to the best ability that you can. So it's worthwhile for both people because they're providing you with income, you know, and a lot of. not a lot, but, like, there are sex workers out there who solely depend on that, you know. And right now, I'm just, like, totally broke because I just got a new phone. And that definitely took a chunk out of my paycheck, you know. And I wasn't anticipating, but, like, I wasn't anticipating getting a new phone just yet. Because, I mean, I knew I was going to get one eventually. But, and I was hoping sooner than later, but... I was trying to be smart about it and save up. And what happened is the new phone, I mean, the phone I was using was about to give out. Like, I knew any day it could just stop working on me. So I was like, I just can't keep this phone anymore. Like, I really just got to get the new phone. And, you know, it cost a pretty penny. It wasn't cheap. Sorry. I yawned. But, yeah, like, back to sex work. So, let's get into this. Like, now that I've had my introduction, I do want to get into, like, the main stuff I wanted to cover. It's just that, like, in the past, I've dabbled in what is considered sex work here and there, you know, and it's mostly, like, I would always, like, sugarcoat it or glamorize it and I would never think of it as me being a prostitute or call it sex work necessarily like I've gotten paid for shoots like my nudes are out there on the internet um I've you know I've I have sold my images to johns or clients whatever you want to call them just random people online um um and, yeah, like, men have propositioned me in person or, like, over social media and online, whatever, any platform that I've been on, website, and offered me money for sexual services, you know, because a lot of times I've been like, I want a boyfriend. I want something real and genuine. And, like, guys will like, shut up. I don't want to get to know you. I don't want to deal with your nonsense. Like, can I just fuck you? I'll even give you money for it. And once that started happening, you know, I really, like, had to take it into consideration because I was like, this is the reality, you know? This is what people think of trans women. We're being hypersexualized, and we're just seen as sexual objects, you know? Like, I'm being objectified no matter how I'm trying to perceive myself, you know? And it just crushed a lot of my... It just crushed my, like, dream, like, hope for the future of what it would be like for me to be dating and be with men. like, basically it set me, I like, set me on a course that, like, warped my relationships with men to be even worse than they had already been, you know? Like, my upbringing, I never had a strong Malfigure in my life No protective men over me Like no positive malfigures And then I start dating And it just gets even uglier And worse and traumatic It's just like this uh, Yeah it's just like Vile and ugly It's worse than I I even like Imagined But yeah like Let's start off with my first thing So yeah, like, I did an online shoot when I was pretty young. I was eight, I, Yeah, I was 18, and this guy had approached me, and he seemed... At first, I didn't really believe it, you know? But the thing about it was, I just moved to L.A., and I was really struggling to find a job. Like, I wanted to get a job. I knew I needed to get a job, and... I was applying to so many people. I mean, to so many places. And, like, even our school, which I was at FITM at the time. um, FITM, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. And I was, uh, what was my major? Visual communications, which is a fancy word for styling. You know, like, I wanted to do windows and display sets for Newman Marcus or some other department store and also dress celebrities or like rich people and two people shopping you know I wanted something simple I never wanted anything too complex I just I knew I had an eye for things and people told me that all the time and I yeah I can definitely dress people and find things that people like you know once i get to know their style if they're not so into what i find for them but yeah i just can easily pick up on what's gonna look good on people or whatnot and i mean like yeah that's not the greatest talent ever whatever but like that's just what i wanted to do and i thought i could make a career out of it okay so like moving along um yeah like I was just in a tough spot when I was living in l a and here and there, like I would put myself out there because I was also interested in dating, and every now and then I would get proposition to you know have sex for money, but it was never that much. it would always be like somewhere in between like two to three hundred dollars. It was never anything that like impressed me. But, like, looking back, I'm like, why didn't I do it? That was just, like, a few easy bucks, you know? And it's not like I wouldn't have enjoyed it. Because, like, my sex drive was crazy back then, too. I was in on hormones. I was just this hormonal 18-year-old. Um wanting to fuck everything, but not really, because I just wanted to fuck that one special person. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to find my one person, which is so stupid to think about too, because I was just like, so dead set on thinking I was going to meet the love of my life, especially because I was in a big city now, you know? But anyways, yeah, like I was on Craigslist, I posted something, this guy reached out and he was just like, You should just shoot for me. Here's the link to a website. If you're interested, let me know. Like, we can talk a bit. And so we did. I reached out. And then he was just like, you should come over. And we should get acquainted. And we could even have dinner. And I did just that. And, like, he even picked me up. Even though at first he was like, can you come here? Can you make it? Can you make your way here? You know? He was in the valley, and I was in downtown, and I was just like, I have no idea how to get around L.A. I don't have a vehicle. Like, there's just no way. And I didn't have the money to just, like, pay for a taxi cab to take me all the way down there, and I wouldn't even know what to say, really, except for here's the address. Anyways, I'm, like, rambling off. And to these unnecessary details To mention So like what happened was that I met this guy And we kind of like Hit it off in a way like I found him to be very charming and funny And I charmed him as well But like I remember at one point in the night I joked and said this just is all all knack. Like this is not really who I am And he laughed and like went along With it and he was just like you don't think I knew that Like all of you girls are putting up a front You know and, you know, he talked about how he was very acquainted with so many trans women because he was providing work for them and pay for them, you know, an income. And a lot of them were his friends and he dated a handful of them and he fucked a good amount of them, too. And and then that night we went after dinner, like he took me to this restaurant that I guess was trendy and like celebrities would be spotted Eating there, here and there, like paparazzis would take their photos. And I think, yeah, like, um, whatever. Like, I just remember he mentioned, like, Selena Gomez at some point or Justin Bieber. Or maybe they were together at the time. I don't fully remember. Maybe they're, I don't, maybe not. But I don't know. He mentioned a few celebrities and I was like, okay, whatever. But I didn't see anyone there and, like, I just, yeah, like, we had dinner, it was fine, and then, like, we went back to his place, and I just wanted to let and have fun with him, and, like, we were not gonna have that, you know, the shooter do anything that night, so, like, we were just talking about it, and then, so that night, I got pretty drunk, we were in his hot tub, we, like, started making out, we hooked up, we had sex. And then the next day he took me out for breakfast and I don't know, I guess he was like into me in a way, but like also maybe he really wasn't, you know, and I was just like another cute girl he got to fuck. But yeah, once we had breakfast and we're going back to his place, he was just like, okay, this is the time we would do the shoot. But then he was like, I don't want you to do it. Like, you're too good of a girl for this. Like, you're too good. Like, your life is going in a different direction, you know? And I was like, I, you know, like, that's really... I was touched that he said something like that. But I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I have to do this. Like, I need that money. So I went and did it. And... I don't think it was a good shoot at all. Like, and he even told me, like, you look like you were kidnapped against your will, and now you're being forced to take all these photos. And I was just so uncomfortable in front of the camera, you know, and how explicit everything was, and how close the camera was to every little angle. And I couldn't have fun with it, I couldn't, like, relax. And it just produced, like, awful content. And, I mean, it wasn't all that bad. But it wasn't great. And I'm definitely ashamed of it, you know. And for a long, like, it really, like, rattled me. And, like, put me in a dark place. I Yeah, I definitely spiraled after. Especially because once I left this guy's place, like... He didn't drive me home. He had his friend drive me. Oh, actually, like, yeah, he was, his friend drove us back to my place, but he was there. I don't know, whatever. It was this whole thing about him not driving. And then, um, basically because I went ahead and did it, I feel like I got blacklisted, which maybe is inaccurate, but I feel like, Because also I was just awful. You know, it could have just been been very much me being awful in front of the camera. I didn't, you know, I really did hope that there would be following work in the realm of pornography. But I didn't, like, get anything. And um, once it came out, it was like three months after the shoot. I, you know, like loads of guys saw it and guys who were like initially interested in talking to me and dating and getting to know me. And a lot of these guys were like, "Mm, I have a job and a reputation to worry about. I can't be seen out in public with you, especially now because these images are out. Like, how dare you do this? Now you're like ruined. Like, guys are really judgmental and harsh about it and hypocritical because, like, obviously they had a paying subscription to the site because otherwise how much, you know, how else could they have really seen these images, you know? And a lot, and there's even a few handful of guys who are like, I know so-and-so who owns that site and shoots all that content. And he told me that you, you know, did the shoot. As opposed to, like, me discovering it. Or them, they discovering it themselves. And I was just like, it was just a bunch of bullshit. And a bunch of guys, it's not like they rallied together. But, like, it felt like that way, you know. I was just basically, a lot of these guys who had really big egos and thought highly of themselves. And felt like they were, had connections and ties to certain people in los angeles they just really were awful with me i was just this 18 year old who didn't know better and i was struggling to get by none of them were even financially all of them were financially capable of helping me but none of them were willing even when i would like open up to them and saying like i'm having issues like fine Like, financially, I'm struggling. Um, And I don't even know how much longer I'm going to be able to afford to stay in LA. Like, I'm here for school. I'm Like, all my financial aid is going to, like, my rent. Like, I don't get anything left over because even that doesn't... Like, the financial aid I was getting didn't even cover my rent either. Like, I had to take out a loan. And my parents cut me off, basically. Like, my dad... Yeah, like a month or two once I was living in LA, he was just like, I can't give you any more money and he just cut me off. And it's not that he couldn't even afford it, it's just he chose to cut me off and my, my mom she could she was helping me when she could, but it was just like a f fifty dollars here and there, you know? And it was awful. Like I didn't know who to reach out to, what to to do, and I was looking for jobs, and I just wasn't, and I was trying to transition or start my transition, and a lot of job places were turning me down because I was trans, you know, like, they were not happy, or they were not into the idea of hiring someone trans. trans. It wasn't, like, a performative time yet, like, I mean, for, maybe for gay people, but, like, the rest of it, Yeah, like, the trans part of it was, we were just, like, still being shunned, you know? And it was not a good time. And then that, I felt like, was just, like, foreshadowing how the rest of sex work work would go for me, you know? So I never, like, yeah, I just never, like, fully indulged in it. Because right off the bat, I was kind of just, like, Pushed aside from it, and I don't know. Like I remember one time, this I remember a fireman actually propositioned me, and he was just like, "I'll give you three hundred for the night." And that's when I was just like, "It's always gonna be like this," you know. And I I don't think the next. I think yeah, I think it was like a year or two later when I did do another paying job with a guy and. Um, he gave me. Oh no, there was another guy before that. Like when I was still in LA, I came across this like older Greek man. Like he was like six foot five, six foot six, something like that. And he had like, and he was intimidating looking. Like he was full on married. He worked downtown. In one of the buildings. And. I guess he made decent money. And. Like he just. I don't know. Like the first time he came over. Like he tried to come to my apartment. But I couldn't sneak him in. Because I had. None of my roommates was home. And. I don't know. He just kind of was like looking for a ongoing thing and he said he would pay me and basically help me out. Not for my services, but just to help me out, you know? Because I guess he wanted me to be loyal to him and he thought throwing in financial compensation would seal that deal, you know? And it would have, but like it was just hard to like actually align our schedules and the first time I met him, he did give me $100. And then after that, I think he did give me another few hundred. But nothing ever happened. Except for like the second time, he, we drove a little bit outside of the downtown area. And he wanted me to give him a blowjob. And I think I might have attempted to, but ended up just doing a hand job. And then, even that frustrated him. Like, it just, I was so nervous because we were in his truck. Everything was so visible. Like, his windows weren't tinted. And we were near enough to these train tracks or the metro train tracks. And all of a sudden, the metro train is passing by, and there are people in it, and they could see out into us. And all I remember was thinking, I wonder if they can see. Into the truck, you know, because it's so visible, and they're higher up, so they can just directly look. Like there's no hiding anything; they could just see. And this guy has his pants down, you know, and his dick is out, and I'm just sitting there next to him, and I just remember looking up, and catching someone's eyes, and there it was this woman. She looked pretty young too, and. She just looked mortified because she saw us, you know, and she could tell what was going on, or she was putting the pieces together, and I feel like that haunted me for a while. Just that, you know, that co- eye contact we made and her face expression, and that you know, just like letting this my surroundings sink in, and I'm like, what am I doing? This was like so shitty and then this guy he just ended up jerking himself off onto the newspaper that he had in his car which is like gross but fine with me because I didn't get it on me you know and yeah like over the years there's a few things I did here and there and It was just always very dark. I just wasn't ever really into it. You know, I had that sugar daddy and he was awful. And that went on for like about six months, which is sadly to say one of my longest relationships sexually with a guy, you know, and why did I repeatedly see him? Why did I continue? And it was just because I still was struggling to find a job and, all these shitty things that happened to me while I was living in LA aside from like sex work and interactions Mm -hmm. with men. And, you know, I was like trying to transition and, you know, set in course of getting to know myself and what I was into and what I wanted to do with my life. And it just was so all uncertain, and I was so alone, and I just sank into this deep depression, and I made a lot of reckless decisions, as most eighteen year olds do, you know. But still, I just felt like I was the only one making horrible decisions, and yeah, and then that led me... yeah, and then that led me into sex work. Because it just seemed like there was no other options. And I even convinced myself that I wasn't good enough to do anything else either. And I was probably never going to be good enough to do either. And in my mind, I just started also to glamorize sex work. Not am like, I'm going to be pretty woman, you know. But, like, having sugar daddies and... Making money off of my looks and my body is just like cool and interesting and that proves that I'm attractive, you know, and that gives me an edge over people when really it wasn't. It was like wearing me down. It was like sucking the life out of me. And I was just becoming this hollow version of myself and I was also heavily drinking to numb it all. And yeah, like, and then years later, like, last summer I took the speech class and most of my speeches revolved around sex work and advocating for sex workers and what they go through and legalization. And yeah, and I wanted to, like, make a point that we should consider legalizing sex work in the U.S., especially because... Like it just makes sense, you know. Why wouldn't we legalize it? It just we can tax it, we can regulate it, it can cut down on sex trafficking. Sex workers are a lot more safer, clients who pay for it are a lot more safer. Um and with regulation, it just caught It just cuts back, you know, with proper regulation, not just any kind of regulation, but with the proper regulation, it can just cut back on so many of the dangers of it, you know, and I was really advocating for it. And then all of a sudden I had a change of heart within the last year after that class. I did start, I thought, you know, over the years, I thought a lot about what Linda Lovelace went through. And I resonated with it, which also scared me because I didn't want to, because she, you know, if you know anything, if you know more about her aside from, like, Deep Throat, you know that she became an advocate for anti-sex work, you know, like, she was just, like, very anti-that and exploiting women for their bodies and, you know, this, and just, you know, the pornography and pornographic industry or adult entertainment industry and I you know looked at her and I would think she's extreme you know like this is not feminism like what she's doing is just I just felt like it was a bit much like I didn't want to understand it and then I finally did you know and like it just clicked and I was like I'm now becoming her where it's like sex work is traumatizing and damaging and ruining ruining so many people but it's not the sex work itself it's not the sex workers it's society and the johns you know because like who's demanding the sex industry stay alive it's men really and who's indulging in it men but who's exploiting and mistreating sex workers men and who's creating the laws and rules of society that shun and mistreat sex workers and keep them unprotected and and the majority of it is men you know it's like all these moralistic and patriarchal rules and standards that women shouldn't have that free range over their sexuality and their bodies because it's like obscene, you know, it's unladylike. It's ruining the fabric of society. And it's definitely not like that, you know, like our patriarchal society along, along with capitalism is what's harming us and, if we legalized sex work and moved into a society where we didn't need to have sex work, like a matriarchal, communist, Marxist, whatever society, whatever you want to call it, like something that actually um, exemplifies genuine equality, like an equalitarian society, sex work wouldn't be this big thing. Like, like yes, there so might be sex work, you know, and, and it's still good to regulate it, but it's not going to be like it is now, you know, and that's my whole point is that it shouldn't be this field that's so harmful and calling for moves and advocacy all the time, you know, just to protect all these people and women who are in, especially, you know, like, non-Black, queer, and trans people, especially Black, queer, and trans people, they're the most in danger, you know? How many trans women get murdered because they're sex workers? And how many trans women get murdered who are Black, you know, they're more likely to experience violence and death. Not even just at the hands of Johns, but anyone in our society, you know, and that's what's so scary and bleak about it. And yeah, like, my whole point is that I just think we need to move it in a different direction. Like, I think there's just so much community There's so much... Miscommunication and so much misinformation, like, the right-wingers, moralists, religious, conservative people all want to do, all want, how they want to do is lead with, like, propaganda and fear-mongering and shaming and, like, we need to move to a society where we're not shaming one another for exploring our sexualities and having different experiences and letting go of gender constructs where it's like okay yeah like you're either born with a penis or a vagina but that doesn't define you as a person like you still gonna have your own personality and whether it's masculine or feminine who cares like and whoever you're attracted to who cares like as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're having contextual sex like go ahead and do it like explore it with whoever you want but I think if we just like had more access to mental health services and facilities and moved away from a society that wasn't patriarchal and capitalistic trust me like sex work would be a non-issue but we're not there yet and anytime any of us try to bring it up we're constantly shut down because it, like even liberal and the leftist people who aren't necessarily just liberal, you know, they're hypocrites about sex work because there's a lot of guys who still support it and they don't want to look at it and see the harm that it really is. You know, that it's like something created by the patriarchy and capitalism that's traumatizing everyone and warping everyone's view on sexuality and their bodies and how to engage and look at sex and their sexualities and experiences. And it's just a whole bunch of chaos, you know, it's a can of worms that no one wants to deal with. Okay, so that was my whole point, and I'll leave it at that. Like, I don't know. I'm not a swerf. I think that's what it is, you know? I'm not necessarily anti-sex work, but I'm not pro-sex work either. Like, am I still going to engage in it? Probably. But that's just because the reality is that's one of my few options. If That's still, you know, an option for me because that's something I'm faced with is what i'm trying to say anyways i'm like so drowsy now so i'm gonna go and if you made it this far thank you